0: Dylan, I'm the Director of Ministries here. I'm so glad you're here if you're new with us. uh, We're going through the Apostles' Creed. Um, Happy Father's Day to everyone. I want to make sure to say that. Happy Father's Day on this uh, beautiful weather that we have uh, going on here. Uh, I do need to say one thing. So my wife is 39 weeks pregnant, so if this sermon is like 10 minutes long, you know that we're on the way to Emory. So... uh, (laughs) Just kidding, so uh, but well, kind of you never you don 't really know <laughs> uh, lord willing right uh, he 's sovereign over all things, so uh, but with that let's uh, let 's pray one more time uh, before we get into god 's word, Father God, thank you for this day, uh, Lord, thank you for this time that we 're able to come and worship you, uh, Father, thank you for uh, just the weather, the rain that we 're getting, uh, that you have created all things, um, including the rain. And we're thankful for that. And, Father, I pray that this morning, as we read your word and study and look at what it means for you to be Father, to look at what it means for you to be creator of all things, help us, Lord, to worship you. Help us to see and understand your glory in all things and all things that you have created that are good throughout, just throughout the world, throughout the universe, as we look at all of those things. Father, I pray that you'll be glorified this morning. Uh, and that through all of this, you will stir our affections and stir our hearts for you. That we will love you uh, more and more uh, each day, love you more through uh, this worship service uh, than as we go out this week. We love you, praise you, thank you for your grace. Christ, time to pray. Amen. Amen. So, if you're with us last week, uh, we started a new series in the Apostles' Creed. Uh, so, the Apostles' Creed uh, is a creed that was written in the early church. Uh, it's uh, very old, it's um, stood throughout church history, it's been used throughout church history. Um, it, In a sense, it it grapples with uh, what's called the rule of faith. It covers uh, the rule of faith in a lot of ways. And so as we kind of dive in this morning, basically what we're going to do this summer, let me just back up, what we're going to do this summer, we're going to go through a couple different lines, we have it broken up, and uh, really dive in to the Apostles' Creed. We'll talk more about that in a moment. But before we do, I want to read through it again. We read through it last week. I think it'll be good for us to keep the whole thing in front of us as we continue to move through. Uh, So I think it'll be on the screen again behind me, Uh, but it says this. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty." Whence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead, I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. And so as we as we dive in, as we continue in week two of the Apostles Creed, uh, I, I want to kind of go back and address again, once again, um, why, kind of why we're doing this and the importance of the Creed. So back in the early church, um, th- there was there was a time for a lo- for a long period of time where the manuscripts of the canon of the scriptures, uh, specifically the New Testament, were being circulated throughout the churches. So the, the, it wasn't always the case where we had our own the whole Bible, you know, readily available for everyone in the church. So for a long time, the churches would have different books and they would preach through them. They would teach through them corporately, and then they would circulate them through the local churches around so everybody could could um, learn. Uh, what the whole scriptures said. And so uh, as time progressed, you know, more and more churches were able to get the whole scripture. But during this time, one thing that was really helpful for the church was to have something like the Apostles' Creed because it's something that can be memorized pretty easily and it's going to cover a large portion of our theology and and the basis for our belief as, as Christians, as believers. And so one of the ways they use this is if... You know, a false teacher came into a town that was coming around and he taught something that was false. They couldn't necessarily go home and just pull out their Bible, pull out the Bible app or something and check. But what they, one, one thing they could do is recite something like the Apostles' Creed and essentially hold it up as a grid on, what is this guy teaching? Does it fit with what the Apostles' Creed says or one of the other creeds that came later? And if not, then there's a lot of questions that need to be raised. And so it's a really helpful tool for the church to learn uh, good, sound biblical theology without having their own scriptures to read all the time. So it's a helpful way for the church to use that. And I bring this up because our line today is um, the first one I'm going to read. Last week we did, I Believe In. I'm going to read that together with our line today. It says, I think it'll be on the screen. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. So that's what we have this morning. That's our line that we're going to cover. Um, and so I bring this up because that those two sentences or so, those two lines, really drive at the heart of the foundation of our belief, the foundation of what we would call a worldview, the way that we see and understand the world these what we're going to unpack today is the foundation for that. It's the bedrock. Now we can build upon that with the rest of the Apostles' Creed, the rest of scripture. Excuse me, the rest of scripture um, from there. But we have to start here because if if we say that we affirm this, if we say that I believe in God, Father Almighty, Maker of heaven and earth, that says a lot about who I am and the follow-on beliefs that's going to come after that. Now, if you take somebody else, it says I don't believe that. Well, we can then follow the logical conclusion there of the rest of their beliefs are then going to be a lot different than where we are with it. And and we'll unpack this idea a little more. So with that being said, turn with me to John chapter 1. We're going to look at John chapter 1 first as we start to unpack this. And as you turn there, um, you know, John is writing his gospel here. He's starting out in the first chapter and we're going to read from the beginning here. And he's going all the way back. He's going all the way back to the beginning, right? And which is what we're going to see in a moment. I'm going to get you, give you a moment to turn there. And we're going to get to see what this looks like in creation, what who God is in creation and why that matters for us. So John one, 1 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and all things were made through him. And without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Now notice the beginning here. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and all all things were made through him, and without him was not anything that was made. Now, John will go on, if you look in your scriptures, he'll go on down into in verse 14. He will equate the Word of God with Jesus Christ, that the Word became flesh. And so here, we're getting a picture. We're going, getting a picture of what Genesis, which is what we're about to read. It's going to, I think it'll be on the screen behind me. We're getting a picture here that Christ, the Son of God, was at present in creation. That when, in Genesis 1-1, which I'm going, to, I'm going to read, we're going to kind of look at these two texts together, Genesis 1-1 says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters, and God said, Let there be light, and there was light. So John is giving us an interpretation. He is looking back at this text and telling us that the Word of God was present in the foundation of the world and was created in Him and through Him. And so, in Genesis here, again, I think it should be on the screen, we see God created the heavens and the earth, we see the Holy Spirit hovering over the face of the waters, and we see God speaking, saying, let there be light. His spoken word came out, um, and that is the Son, the Word of God. So, in studying this and then diving into God being creator, God the Father Almighty, when we say, I believe in God the Father Almighty, we are affirming that God is Trinity, We are affirming God is Trinity in that statement. The rest of the Apostles' Creed will go on to talk about the Son and the Holy Spirit as well. Uh, But in that, we are affirming that in here in Genesis and in John 1. We are seeing that the Trinity was present in the beginning uh, in the creation of the heavens and the earth. And this is important for us because, again, as I mentioned earlier, this is the, the bedrock, the foundation of where we go from here in building our worldview and building our understanding of the faith That if we don't start in this area of God is Trinity, God made the heavens and the earth all for his glory, then we're going to go amiss. We're going to go off the rails. We're going to lose our way. It is so important that we understand that God is Trinity. And so what does that mean? I keep saying God is Trinity. So there is one God, three distinct persons. Each person is fully God. Pretty, I mean, just as the, the simple as I can make that. We taught on the Trinity a couple, couple years ago uh, pretty in-depth, and one of the things we talked about there is when you get into analog, er, yeah, analogies and different things like that, uh, you're going to get into trouble pretty much every time. So I'm not going to go into any further depth. There is one God, three distinct persons, each person is fully God. And that's what we see. We see Father, Son, Holy Spirit, each working in their own way for the one will of God to create the heavens and the earth. And so, in looking through this even more, uh, turn up into Colossians 1. We're going to look at another text. We're going to flip some this week. We're just going to kind of look through Scripture and uh, as we come to understand this. So, turn to Colossians 1 for me. And we're going to look further at the role of the Son in creation, in the, the role of, of the Word of God. And so in Colossians 1, 15 through seventeen, there's a lot here. There's a lot in this passage. I encourage you to go home and read this one. Read John one um, later this afternoon or this week if you want to really unpack these things. But in Colossians fifteen, um, excuse me, Colossians one verse fifteen, it says this: He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created, in heaven and on earth visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through Him and for Him, and He is before all things, and in Him all things hold together. Again, a lot happening here, right? It's talking about Christ, talking about the Son uh, in this text. But specifically in verse 17, Paul says, "...and He is before all things, He Christ, and in Him all things hold together." And so as we look at this, so God created the heavens and the earth. Not only did he create the heavens and the earth, but he also sustains the heavens and the earth at all times. All things, us being here, us walking around, us breathing, uh, the laws of gravity, all these types of things exist because God holds them together. That is God the Father Almighty. Almighty is a big word that is very appropriate in the Apostles' Creed there because he is holding all things together. He didn't just create them, wind it up, and then... You know, chunk it out in the universe and say, "All right, y'all have fun. I'll come back and however long, and then I'll see you later." That's not how God works. God is a loving Father, and He is He is a hands-on. He loves us well, and He holds all things together through the Son. So we can't view creation. We can't look at all things that were here. This chair, the carpet, the rain, the that bird that just flew uh, that way, uh, flew off. I knew I was going to point it out. and didn't want anybody looking at it. I guess anyway. Um, all these things, right? We can't look at those and just assume it was an accident or just assume that some, some deity made it or that it was some intelligent design. No, it's God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit all created these things. And it's so important that we hold to that and hold fast to it and that He sustains it throughout. And so, going from here, that hopefully, we have a kind of a foundation there that, that the Trinity created all things and that God the Father is Almighty. Um, and so going from here, I have a couple questions that we're going to kind of work through to kind of unpack this further and, and really hopefully get some different angles on this concept. So the first one is, when did God create? Okay, we talked about that some last week, uh, so we're going to address it briefly here. Um, so when did God create the heavens and the earth? Well, if we all agree God created everything, when, when did he do it? Uh, so uh, I'm waiting for fights to break out on old and young earth people in here. No, I'm just kidding. Um, so typically, um, at least within Christianity, there's there's generally two main camps, so to speak, uh, to just simplify it, is uh, you have the young Earth creationism group, which is what most people are probably familiar with, and then you have the old Earth uh, creationism group. Um, so there can be a hotly contested debate on those two things. So young Earth, essentially, in a basic sense, would say you know the Earth, the heavens and the Earth are about six thousand ish years old. Uh, which is, you know, kind of what we're probably used to. Old Earth would say, "No, it's probably a whole lot older than that." We don't really know how old, necessarily. Some people would make claims, but regardless, it's very different. They would say maybe more millions of years a separation. So I bring this up because I, I think a lot of us would have just assume that like, no, it's young Earth. It's six thousand years old. Period. Which maybe it is. I, I don't honestly don't know. Um, which nobody knows, but there is room for us to, in studying this, if you desire to do that, that there is room for both of those arguments within Christianity. You can be an evangelical and believe in old earth, and you can be that, obviously, with young earth as well. And so, if you do want to study this further, you can, um, there's a book called 40 Questions on Creation and Evolution. Uh, It's a really great book. Uh, It's got uh, two two theologians, one from uh, Southeastern Seminary, one from another seminary, I don't remember, and one of them was a young earth proponent, one of them is old earth, and so you can really get into a lot of those uh, types of questions. Um, but it's not as simple as, you know, when we read Genesis 1, we see six days, right, God created the heavens and the earth six days, rested on the seventh. Um, a plain reading of scripture would point to the 6,000 year um, time frame, but then when you get into all the scientific stuff, then you, you're like, well, now I'm scratching my head because I don't understand why it looks like it's a million years old. Um, so it was interesting. So when I studied it, I left it as I have no idea. And God is Trinity. He is good. He created all things, and we can all affirm that together. So, that's, uh, t- so to sum up, uh, when he created the heavens and the earth, he is Trinity. He created all things. He did it for his glory, and we can all give an amen to that, I think. Um, but it is interesting, though. So if you do want to study it, that book is a really helpful tool uh, to get into those, those arguments. But I don't honestly have no idea when that happened. Um, which nobody does. That's the thing. There is no definitive argument that you can absolutely dogmatically hold to, at least I don't think so, personally. But, so, God is Trinity. We can all affirm that. Uh, So, next question. Why did God create? Why did God create the heavens and the earth? Was God needy? Did he just, was he lonely? Did he need, you know, some creatures to run around? Why did, why did God create the heavens and the earth? Well, I'll give you a hint. That's not the answer. So um, he was not lonely. He was not needy. That is not why he created all things. And so in, in kind of getting into this question, though, as we start to you know, work through answering that, uh, we have to be careful when we start to think of God that we don't, we, we don't limit ourselves to starting at creation. Okay, now that is the bedrock as I talked about earlier, building uh, you know, your worldview and different things, but when we think about who God is, we we can't start there because if we do, we will shape and mold our view of God as creator and, and ruler primar- primarily, and what that means is as as he is He is our creator, we are the creation, we relate to God in a particular way because he did make us, he is. He is God, right? If we hold, if we just start in our minds that He is Creator, then we're going to relate to Him as a Creator and Ruler primarily, not as anything else. Which will then influence salvation. You know how we view salvation, how salvation will come out, how mercy and grace and holiness and all these other things will come out. Uh, Hopefully, that makes sense. If it doesn't, maybe this will help. Um, So. Delighting in the Trinity is a great book on the Trinity by Michael Reeves. It's a pretty short. It's like 180 pages, a very rich, very, very good book. Highly recommend it. Uh, So the author there said, said this in terms of what we're talking about. Since God is before all things a father and not primarily creator or ruler, all his ways are beautifully fatherly. It is not that this God does being father as a day job, only to kick back in the evenings as plain old God. It is not that he has a nice blob of fatherly icing on top. He is Father. All the way down, thus all that he does as Father, that is who he is. He creates as a Father, and he rules as a Father. And that means the way he rules over creation is most unlike the way any other God would rule over creation. So hopefully that helps kind of tie those things in. So we can't start with God as creator. We have to start with God as Father. Father. We have to start with the Trinity. We have to start with God as the Father there. And again, answering this question of why did he create, which leads us back to that question. So if you would, I think everybody is in Colossians, if you would go to John 17, go back to John for me, go to John 17. So as you turn there um, in, this, in this text, this is uh, Jesus' high priestly prayers is what it's called a lot of times. Um, so Jesus is uh, praying to the Father shortly before he will be taken to be crucified. And so he's lifting up prayers to the Lord, to the Father in this. Um, So we're going to be in John 17, and we're going to start in verse 20. Verse 24 is the key text. We're going to start in 20 to give some context. So verse 20 says, I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me the glory that you have given me I have given to them that they may be one even as we are one I and them and you and me that they may become perfectly one so that the world may know that you sent me and love them even as you loved me verse 24 Father, I desire that they also, whom you have given me, may be with me where I am, to see my glory that you have given me because you loved me before the foundation of the world. And that's the key point there. Whom you have given me may be with me where I am to see my glory that you have given me because you loved the foundation of the world. And as you unpack that portion of the of John 17 and the rest of it as well, and really hone in on verse 24, you see... That God created that before creation, before God created all things, the Father was eternally loving the Son in the Holy Spirit. That is what was taking place. And in that overflow of the love for the Father, and the Son created all things. That is what was taking place before the foundation of the world. That is what was happening before. And in that overflow, all things were created for God's glory. And in, in and through the Son, as we read earlier in Colossians and John. All things were created for His glory out of the overflow of the love for the Son. And so that's where we have to start. When we think of God, we have to go back there before creation and really look at Trinity, look at Father, Son, Holy Spirit uh, in that and what they were doing in their relationship there and the love they have for one another that they are then giving to us, extending to us, sharing with us, and bringing us into that relationship through the Holy Spirit is what's taking place. So we have to go back there. So God created all things out of the overflow of the love from the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and here we are, however many years later, depending on young earth, young and old earth, we don't know. Um, so next question: How did God create? So God created all things. Well, the foundation of the world was the Trinity. How did God then create? Did He take, you know, some spiritual Legos and melt them down and then start building things? Did He go to Home Depot and, and buy stuff or? Lowe's. I like Home Depot better, but you know, Home Depot is. is but anyway, um, Lowe's. You know, somewhere like that. No, he didn't. Do, he didn't do any of that. He didn't take. Uh, yep, yeah, he didn't go to Home Depot. So, uh, well, we know that. And if he went right now, it'd be real expensive to build everything. So, uh, that will not be a good time. So he picked a good time. He know, he's sovereign, right? He knows all things. So um, he worked that for for his good. Um, so, so how did he create? So he created all things out of nothing. There was nothing. And then there was something <laughs> he created all things out of nothing ex nihilio was a, is a word that theologians will throw around, but he created all things out of nothing. so where do we you know where do we get that Where is that kind of Where is that coming from? Uh, a clear text for us uh, in this is Romans four. It should be on the screen, uh, so i 'll go ahead and read it Romans four sixteen and seventeen says that is why it depends on faith in order that the promise may rest on grace and be guaranteed to all his offspring i 'm talking about Abraham not only to the adherent of the law, but also to the one who shares the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. Verse 17, as it is written, I have made you the father of many nations in the presence of of the God in whom he believed, who gives life to the dead and calls into existence the things that do not exist. God calls into existence the things that do not exist. So God didn't take building blocks. He didn't go to Lowe's. He didn't take any kind of Stuff that was already there, he created, he spoke, it came to be things were created that did not exist before. Uh, this is uh, very profound again it goes back to God, the Father almighty, he is almighty he 's the only one uh, that can do something like this that can just call something into existence and create uh, in this way we 'll talk about what this kind of what it looks like for us to create in a little bit uh, in a moment, but Um, We cannot do that, right? I don't know anyone in here that can just call something into existence, which we're all like, of course, right? But we do like to watch movies that people can do those kinds of things, but um, they're all fake. Um, Newsflash. Uh, But anyway, um, he created all things out of nothing, which is again is profound. I mean, if we really sit here and think about that for a moment, like what does that actually take? How do you have nothing and then have something? I don't know. I mean, it just boggles my mind. Literally, there was nothing there, and then there was something. Um, And then, not only that, think of all the things that he did create, right? If there was nothing before, think of all the things that we encounter in our own lives, from the Yeti cup to the Yeti cooler to this chair to the carpet to the bacteria that's probably in this room to the uh, the grass, different blades of grass, these LED—I mean, just all the different things, right? All the different bugs and you know, fungus and. Who knows what else is out there, right? I'm just thinking of different things that are off the wall, right? Because he he ultimately created them all. Right? He created all things, and he came up with them in his own mind, and then actually spoke them into existence, and it came from nowhere. You know, when we when we when we make things, we make things that already. Take what's already there, what already exists, and put something together, right? If you build a birdhouse for a bird to live in, you're taking existing wood, lumber, tools, nails, you know, a saw that somebody built. You're taking existing things, putting it together, and then making it something useful. Um, But even that, right, that's all of us at least here are somebody's built a birdhouse before us, right? I didn't come up with a birdhouse, though the concept of birdhouse, although I can go make one. Um, that, that's not new to me. I did not come up with that. Most of us have not come up with new things. It's just been reoccurring over time. God literally came up with everything on His own by Himself, starting from nothing. Like, that is profound. That is beyond all of us um, to, to comprehend. Another way to think about this is um, I, that I just think is just crazy. So, who in here has ever read or watched the movies Harry Potter? Perfect. Who in here has at least read some sort of fantasy novel of some kind that's fake? Okay, probably everybody in here, uh, I would assume. Um, And so we'll take Harry Potter for for an example. I love Harry Potter. It's great. Um, So J.K. Rowling wrote Harry Potter. There are seven books that she wrote over the course of time and they made movies and different things, but the books, she wrote the books, right? She, she made this in her head. She made this wizarding world, um, created all these characters, created all these creatures, created the rules of magic in this world, and uh, wrote it down in several books that we can all read and enjoy and visualize ourselves as we read. Now... She was able to make that, right, in her head. She came up with it. She was creative. She came up with that concept, and then we're able to enjoy it and see it to an extent. But now, see, when God created all things and he came up with this concept, he actually spoke it into existence, and it was real. When he thought of a cat, you know, furry, has some ears, short, purrs, you know, curious, gets into stuff, knocks things over, claws, you know, he came up with all those things and made the cat. And then he made multiple cats that all have different personalities, right? Like he came up with cat and made cat. I know that sounds so basic, and I may look like a fool up here. I don't know, but it blows my mind for whatever reason that he just can come up with these things, create them, and then they're real. Uh, But when we create things, you know, that we are made in his image and do those, we are very limited in what we can actually accomplish, right? Like it's fun to read a good book, but that's the extent of it. It's we read a good book, and that's because we're finite beings, made in God's image, but we're finite nevertheless. And so moving on from here, the the last question that we have is why does all of this matter? What's the point? Does it really matter that much that, you know, God is Trinity and that He made the heavens and the earth and um, all the rest that we've discussed? So so why does this really matter? Well, as we unpack that, I think Genesis, actually just turn with me to Genesis 1, if you don't mind. Turn with me to Genesis 1, we're going to read briefly, I'll, I'll give you a moment to turn there. Uh, so you can get eyes on this. Uh, so as we just think through why this matters, why this is important to us, I want to unpack it and really dive into this portion here. Uh, so Genesis 1, you know, the very front uh, of your Bible, uh, we're going to be in verse 26. And so here, you know, God has made, uh, pretty much made everything at this point. He's made the creeping things and the animals and the birds and uh, various other things. And then in verse 26, he says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image, and in the image of God he created him. Male and female he created them. And God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful, multiply, and fill the earth, and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over every living thing that moves on the earth." And so as we, as we think through this question, of why does all this matter, that God created all things? Well, it says here in Genesis, as we just read, that God created us, created man in his own image. He created them to have dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, all every creeping thing. And that we are to have dominion, that we are made in God's image. Right, God created all things, created the heavens and the earth, and then he created us in his image to be image bearers to go out from here. So that as we live our lives, we are to bear the image of God and to glorify him in all that we do. And so, again, and just think this. What does this look like to bear God's image? What does this look like to have dominion, to be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth, and all the rest? Well, as I was kind of getting out already with J.K. Rowling writing Harry Potter or other authors, when we when we seek to, to accomplish this, to, to really, you know, be image bearers of God, to, to have dominion over the heavens and the earth and different things in that way, that comes out uh, in a lot of different ways, right? It can be being creative and writing a book. That, that can be one way, writing, uh, creating, being creative in that way. It can be drawing. It can be other artistic endeavors, playing music, you know, having dominion over the guitar and making good music for us to enjoy and then for us to sing and sing the praises to the Lord. Uh, together as a congregation, it can be other things like being electrician and being creative and how you're going to wire up a room and be and to do it well and to do it for God's glory. It can be any number of things in the way that you work. Many of you are entrepreneurs and have started businesses and have you know created products or created services or created a nonprofit uh, to to meet needs of the community in some way. And you've all been creative in doing that. You've all brought something up. You've created something. You've been creative. And in doing all those types of things, however profound it may be or however simple it may be, we are in that way being image bearers of God and, and in a sense, following in His footsteps in that. Right? Now, we can't make things out of nothing. Like we have a limited ability to do a lot of these things. But, we, but, we, but in being creative and in building and in making things and thinking through things, we, we are following in this footstep. This is what this looks like going forward. So when we go to work tomorrow, wherever that may be, whether it's going to your business, whether it's going to make coffee, whether it's uh, working on computers, whatever the case may be, running wires, building a building, whatever it may be, we can all do this for God's glory. We can all do it and be creative, work hard, work diligently, have dominion over everything uh, that, that we're working on in, in the right and proper way. Be fruitful and multiply, right? I mean, just be fruitful multiply. You know, we had a baby dedication a couple weeks ago. Branches working on that hard, uh, which is great. Uh, all for God's glory, right? Um, and so... All these types of things comes out of the fact that God is Trinity, that He is Father, that He is Son, Holy Spirit, and that He created the heavens and the earth. And then eventually, after a time, He created man in His image to go out and to bear His image in various ways. And so Again, and thinking through the application here, that as we go to work, we need to work hard. We need to work diligently. We need to do it for God's glory, out of the love for the Lord. And we're doing it and following in these steps, in this that we are bearing God's image and that we are following in what He's created us to do, which is to glorify Him in all that we do, whether we eat, drink, whatever we do, do all to the glory of God. And so I commend all of us to do that this week and as we go forward to work diligently, work hard, be creative, and, and whatever capacity that we work in in our workplaces. The second part is what we kind of talked about already a little bit is the worldview. Uh, you know, I mentioned earlier saying I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, or maker of heaven and earth. Um, that is the bedrock of, of, of what we believe, right? That is that is building. We build upon that. We can get more in depth. We can get more specific going from there, but that is the bedrock that we have to hold to. And if you take other people in the culture or other non believers and you start to ask them these questions and you start to boil down like where is the bedrock of your belief, of your worldview, the way that you see and understand the world? It's obviously not going to land here, uh, but it is going to land somewhere. And if we can get to that, well, we can really start to dive into and having conversations with people uh, and understanding the world. I'll also bring this up because, as we mentioned plenty of times in the family reunion and on Sundays and family groups, that the... America is, is shifting hard, right? Like, we see it in the news, we see the different things, the animosity towards Christians and towards religious faith, uh, battles in the courts, we see, um, you know, Marxism running through, we have all the different race, uh, you know, conflict happening, CRT, you name, you name it, LGBTQ+, plus. and as we go forward, life is not getting any easier for Christians to be faithful in what we're going to do. That's in our jobs. That's if we have businesses. It's going to be challenging. Which people are being challenged all over the country in different places. Georgia's a little more protected, especially in Dahlonega. But that's that's not all. We don't. We're not always going to have a moat. I don't think. Maybe if we do, great. But I don't think so. And so as we continue to move down this path as a culture, and as we continue to be seek to be faithful to God and, and what we do in our work and in our lives. We need to be prepared to be able to look at something, think through biblically. Okay, how do we think through this problem biblically? How do we think through what's happening biblically and how do we respond to that biblically? Um, We all of us are going to have to grow in our knowledge of the scriptures and knowledge of what God has said and be able to apply that to our life. It's, It's not getting any simpler for us to be faithful to God in our life. And the only way that we're going to be faithful in that is if we continue to read God's Word, continue to study God's Word, continue to build on that foundation of our worldview to know and understand what God has said so that we can then think through what's happening in front of us and around us and having conversations with people. One of the, uh, just an example of this is, you know, the Marxist uh, movement kind of going around that's come in the past and is still moving in now. In a lot of ways, you can kind of boil it down to, in that worldview, you're looking at the world through the lens of the oppressors and the oppressed. That's how you view people. That's how you essentially view the world. Now, again, it can it's not that simple, but that is, if you boil it down, what are we looking at? That's what we're looking at. And when you do that, right, as thinking through that biblically, that's that's not what we see in Genesis. When we go back to our foundation of what we see in Scripture, that is not how we see the world. That's not how we look at people. That's not how we think through things. We think through things as we are all made in God's image for His glory. All people are made in God's image. And so in thinking through that that issue, particularly, now are there people that oppress other people? Yes, that is true. A clear example of this is World War II, right? The Nazis oppressed the Jewish people. That is very clear. And in looking at that, we see all, all people are made in God's image. We need to go do something about that, right? We need to Push them out and liberate uh, the Jews and liberate the other the French and everyone else that was in europe right that's it 's a pretty clear under, you know basic understanding there as thinking through that we, we can 't look through those lenses we can 't fall into the trap of looking at the world through the different lenses that are getting uh, pushed on us. We have to stop, take a step back, take a drink water, read the scriptures, and go back to this. We are all made in god 's image we need to work from that and and go from there. And so, as we land the plane, as we wrap up there, I, just, I, I want us to leave here and understand that, again, God is Trinity. He made all things for His glory out of the overflow of the love from the Father to the Son and the Holy Spirit and that we need to continue to study the Word, to continue to worship, to continue to read and pray and come together in community as a family uh, to to be strong in going out and to face whatever it is the culture is going to throw at us, whatever our family is going to throw at us, whatever our friends, our workplaces, whatever it is, just life in general, that we will be strong together as a family to continue to move through life together as the family of God. And in doing that, as we work through as we wrap up today and then as we move through the Apostles' Creed for the rest of the time, and continue to get into this and what this looks like for us in building this worldview uh, together and building this bedrock of the faith. Um, again, I just commend that to you, uh, to go to go home and to read some of these texts. I know we covered a lot of different texts this morning. Um, I encourage you to go home and read those and study those for yourself um, as well. And so with that, we're going to move into a time of communion um, I'm so thankful that we're able to have communion back again, that we're able to come together to break bread um, in that way. And so communion is for baptized believers, so if you've been baptized as a believer, um, that, that is for you. If, if you haven't, we'd love to talk to you after, but we do ask that you um, refrain from from taking communion. And as we do it together as a congregation, you know, we're we are breaking the bread that represents Christ's flesh, depending on the juice that represents Christ's blood spilled on the cross for us. That Christ died for us and atoned for our sins, and that by faith in Him we are then saved and redeemed. Uh, because we do live in this fallen, sinful, broken world, and communion is a helpful way for us to remember to remember what Christ did for us, that He is going to return, that He is coming back. It's not over. Um, that we can look to um, his return and the good that's going to come of that and the new heavens and the new earth. So with all that, let's pray. Father God, thank you for this day. Lord, thank you for this time we're able to come together to worship you, um, to study your word together, uh, to study what it means and looks like for you to be creator, uh, what it looks like for you uh, to just create all things and for us to be created in your image. Uh, for us to be made in your image, for us to go out and to work and to be diligent uh, in all that we do, um, bearing your image for your glory. Um, Father, help us um, just in our faith and in our walk this morning and tonight, uh, today, as we just reflect on these things. Help us to be strengthened in the faith. Help us to be strengthened in our belief. uh, Help us just ground ourselves in orthodox theology as we continue to study the Apostles' Creed together. And Father, I pray that you will stir our affections for you. That if we're distracted with other things, that if we're distracted from some of the things that you've created, the things that are created in this world, that we will um, that we will see that, that we will notice that, that a brother will help us see it if we don't, and that we will repent from that, Lord, and come to you. Uh, in that, Lord, again, I just pray that you'll start our affections for you, that we will come to know you and love you more in this time, and that we will just do all for your glory this week. We love you we praise you. Thank you for your grace. Cross Christ's name we pray. Amen.